Welcome everyone and thank you for joining us today at Faith Coach Church Online. We are so glad that you are joining us. Hey, uh, remember God will take us through any situation as long as we stay committed and as long as we stay connected. I want you to know that we are praying for you and your family. Every single week our team is praying for your family and we're praying for Faith Coach Church and we're believing for God's best. I'm continuing a series that we have named Called. Now sometimes what happens many times is is we forget when we're away from home, and it seems like you know, church is our home, and when we're away from home, we forget about who we are. We forget about all the things that we're about. So I got to thinking about that. As we're approaching three months of being away from home, and now Faith Co. is beginning to open up and, and whatnot, a lot of times it's easy to forget. When you don't look at your family, when you don't see them, it's easy to forget who we are. So I just wanted to take some time, and I'm in the third week of this, as we're talking about what God has called us to. And I want to tell you something. It is a challenge to walk in a calling. It is not easy to walk in a calling because when you walk in a calling, you become an enemy of the devil. You have a very real enemy that fights you and fights your home and also fights your church and your calling and your mission for God. It's not easy. So that's why we got to talk about what we're about the world is filled with chaos right now. The world is filled with confusion. And now more than ever, the world needs the church to walk in the calling that God has, has called us to. Let me get, begin today with prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for letting us gather around and learn of your words. Speak to us today. Remind us of our purpose. Remind us of our calling. And challenge us just a little bit more in Christ's name and everybody said, amen. amen. Look at your neighbor and say, man, these messages are challenging. Man, these are challenging. As I've said in past week, God has always identified his people. He's his called people. He's always identified them. And we started out in the Old Testament, this scripture that we've been reading every single week. In 2 Chronicles 7 and 14, it says, if my people who are called by my name. If my people, will you just say that, my people. my people. If my people who are called by my name, and it goes on to say, if they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from, from their wicked ways, then I'm going to hear them from heaven, and I will forgive their sins, and I will begin to heal their land. If you can see this for a second, God will heal a land. God will heal a nation through his people. So we are his people. So what that looks like, when we talk about our calling, the first thing that we talked about is we first recognize that as his people, we are his. We are called to be his, which means we carry his identity. What I want to do is I just want to review for a second, and I want to pick up where I left off, but I think it's important to review on this. We are his. We carry his name. We carry his identity. To be Christian means to be Christ-like. We carry the name of Christ as being part of our church, so we are first his. The second thing that we realize as being called is that we're called to one. Remember that verse of scripture we read where Jesus was alone with his disciples the night before he was crucified, and he said this in John 17 and 20, I am praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me through them. He was speaking and he was praying for the future of the church. He says, I pray that they will be 
one. Will you say one with me? One. I'm praying that they will be one. And he goes on to say, and, and I pray that they will be one so that the world will believe that you sent me. Jesus is praying. What a very powerful message for the church right now that, that as we become one, as we are united, the world will, be, the world will believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the most significant thing that we can do right now in a world of confusion, in a world of chaos, and a divided nation, and divided communities, the enemy is fighting us right now. He is fighting the, the unity of the church because the world needs a united church like never before because a united church is the answer that the world is looking for. So he prayed that we could be one because it is an answer to the world. And last week, we, last week we talked about how we are also called to love. Number three, we're called to love. And remember, we said this, that, that God so loved the world. Only love can change the world. That's not meant to be a mushy statement. What that is, is God so loved the world that he changed the world by sending his son. So, so love changes the world. In John 13 and 35, it says, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. We said this last week, but Jesus had something to prove to the world, and he told the disciples that your love for one another. Remember, love is not about being nice. Love is about intentional actions that guides your life. Love is about how you act towards your brother and sister. It's not about how you feel about somebody. Love is an action. We saw this in 1 Corinthians, the 13th chapter. It, it talks about what, what we need and how love is the most important thing. But then it goes on about the sixth verse and says that love is patient and, and love is kind. Is love, love is not jealous or rude or boastful or proud. It believes all things. It endures all things. It, in, it, it will never fail. Love is a decision that you make that guides actions. Love is an action word, is a verb. So, so we find out that when we walk in love for each other, Jesus prayed that we would love each other, and he told us to love each other because that is proof of our discipleship. It is proof that we are his disciples. So we talked about four things that promote love in troubled times. And how many of you know that these are troubled times? When times get rough, when times get tough, one of the most significant things that we can do as a church is love one another and show the world what a united church looks like because of our love for one another. And we said last week that, number one, we would listen. We would listen. And we would listen not until we understand, but we said we would listen until we feel something. We would listen until we felt the pain or we felt the anguish or we felt the, the, the depression or whatever. We listen until we feel what that person is feeling in order that we could respond in an appropriate way. So number one, to show love in troubled times is listen. Number two is to show grace. Show grace in how I respond to somebody that might be different than me. And also show grace in how I expect somebody else to respond. Remember, I'm not going to respond the way you respond to certain things that I may not be as passionate about. But it, my response, my different response does not mean that I don't agree with you. Different responses does not mean disagreement. And the third thing that we said we would do to show love in troubled times is that we would refuse to be offended. To be offended, being offended is a choice. Let me just let that sink in for a second because 
over years of being in church, I've seen people make bad decisions in life based on being offended. I'm offended. You have hurt me. You have hurt my feelings. You've, you've, you've upset me. Therefore, I'm offended. People who are offended make the worst decisions if they, or make the wrong decisions if they make that decision based on being offended. So we have to tell ourselves, if somebody says something that I don't agree with, I refuse to be offended. If somebody says something that, 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 that I not only agree with, but I'm passionate about the other direction, I refuse to be offended. I'm not going to let anything get in the way of the destiny that God has for my life. And today, I can only start on this because I'm not sure that I can finish this. But today, to walk in love, I want to talk to you about being part of the solution. Let me, let me review this one more time. Listen. We're going you know, to listen until we feel something. Number two, show grace. Number three, refuse to be offended. And today I want to talk to you about being part of the solution. If we're going to walk in love, if we're going to show love, it's important that we are part of the solution. Now let me tell you this. From the beginning, man, mankind, has a sin problem. We all have, we have all had a sin problem. And God sent his son into the world to be a solution to our sin problem. Jesus came into the world to be a solution, a sacrifice, to, to take our place in our sin. In John 3 and 17, the next verse after the most famous verse in the Bible, God so loved the world that he gave his only son, whoever believes would not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and 17 says this, God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. So we see that God sent his son into the world to be a solution to our sin problem. Let me say that again. God sent Christ, his son, into the world to be a solution to our sin problem. Jesus commanded his disciples and talked to his disciples about being a solution. In Matthew 5 and 13, he says this. He's talking to his disciples, and we are disciples of Christ, right? Look at your neighbor. Look at the person sitting next to you and say, you're a disciple of Christ. Now look at your neighbor again and say, I'm a disciple of Christ. So anytime Jesus was talking to his disciples, you got to think he's talking to, through them, to us. So here's what he says to his disciples. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot, and it is worthless. It is worthless. What is salt? We know what salt is. Salt is seasoning. And it helps us with our nourishment. But think of a world without salt. Think about what it does. It, it makes eating more enjoyable. Is it possible to eat French fries without salt? Yes. But I ain't eating any fries without salt. Right? Is it, man, I, I, that, that's just, that just makes a French fry. A French fry is just not a French fry without a little bit of salt on it. Think about eating steak. Without salt. You don't eat a steak without salt. In fact, salt not only seasons, but it also tenderizes the steak. Give me some seasoning on that steak. You know what I'm saying? Don't just give me a baked potato. Give me a salt baked potato because that helps. Have, do you like, everybody likes bacon. Do you know anybody that doesn't like bacon? It is like you got to like bacon. But bacon is not bacon without being salt cured. You have, man, don't eat any pork without, without salt in it. It's terrible. But with salt, 
You can eat, you can eat bacon. Well, I don't care what it is. If it's fish, if it's fries, if it's potatoes, if it's beans, salt makes our nourishment or it gives it flavor. That is what salt does for our food. Nourishment gets flavor. Look at your neighbor and say, pass the salt. Well, here's the deal. The church gives seasoning not only to the world, but also to the message of the gospel of Christ. The church, we are the salt of the earth. Therefore, we give seasoning. Think about what Jesus was saying here. We give flavor to the message, and we, are, we, are, we give flavor to the message of the gospel for the world's sake. The world has nourishment that it needs from the, from the Lord. The world has nourishment that it needs from the scripture and the Bible. The world needs the nourishment of salvation. But we are the salt. We are the seasoning. We give it the flavor. Think about that just for a second. The message of Christ is that, or the message of the gospel is that Christ died to save sinners. If you accept him and receive his love and receive his grace and receive his forgiveness, then you will be saved. That's the message of the gospel. But through you and me, the world sees the message in living color. It becomes user-friendly. It's not just cut-and-dry message. The message is powerful by itself. But for us, God's plan for us is they see the gospel lived out. They see it fleshed out, and they say, okay, that's what it looks like. That's how we do it. Okay, that's how God blesses people. Okay, if I give my life to Christ, this is what my life looks like. We give the message of the gospel its flavor, if you will. Our lives make the message more active, and our lives make the message more attractive because they see the message of the gospel lived out. We are an example of what God can do through a life. Jesus said the world needs flavor and you are the solution. We are the solution. Verse 14, let's pick up where we left off. Not only does he say you are the salt of the earth, and the 14th verse he says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, in the same way that a light placed on a, on a stand gives light to a whole house, in the same way, let your good deeds shine. Not only is he saying you are a light of the world, he says you are a light of the world in how you live your life. He says let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Take a look at that verse again. Let your, or the last part of that verse, let your good deeds shine out for all who see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Your good deeds, my good needs, the things that we do, the things that we do in the name of Jesus, how we live our lives, how we raise our kids, how we act at school, how we, how we are at work, the things that we do that even nobody sees, that, that, that is the light of the world that brings glory to our Father. You want to bring glory to the Father, be the light of the world in how you live your life. And there's, there's much verses. that I'm going to talk more about this next week as I talk about being ambassadors for Christ. But the significance of being the light of the world is what you do and how you live your life. We are called to be light, according to 1 Peter 2 and 9. It says, but you are not. He talks about 
living in darkness, but he says you're not like that, for you are, you are a chosen people. You are a royal priest. You are a royal priest, a holy nation, God's very own possession. You, he's saying you belong to God. And as a result, you can show others the goodness of God. For he called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. Think about that for a second. You've been called out of darkness, been given the light of Jesus, the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you. And, and now you are a light to those who sit in darkness. Called out of darkness to be a light to those who who sit in darkness. Being the light of the world is a calling that we are all commissioned for. Well, what can one light do? What is the power of light? If I, if, if I were to show you this, if I were to have a small light up here and, and have a, a flashlight and show you, say, well, that's, that's a little bit of light and this is a very large building, the light wouldn't be, you know, that wouldn't be much. But if we were to blacken the building, and just had this small light, everybody in the entire house could see the light. And in fact, the darker the building, the greater the light. I know that sometimes it seems like we are surrounded by darkness. It seems that, it seems that you know, in the world that we're living in, there's a lot of chaos and there's a lot of darkness. And we live in a very, very dark world. And I've, I've been to other places in the world where I felt... There was a, an incredible spirit of darkness where there was an incredible hopelessness and there was so much, it felt like so much evil. But here's what I found out. Even, even the smallest flicker of light shines the brightest in, in the most darkest places. Here's the deal. Maybe you feel like you're all alone wherever you are. Maybe you feel like you're on the job and there's nobody else but you living for Christ. Maybe you feel like you're in college and you're the only, you're the only person and all your friends that lives for God. Maybe when you're at high school, when you're back in high school or you're back in grade school, you feel like you're the only one living for God. Here's the deal. The darker the night, the greater the light. Through the darkest places, it doesn't take the largest light. It just takes the smallest light. You be a light. Even in the darkest parts of your life, in the, even in the darkest places, be a light. John 3 and 21 says this. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are doing what God wants. There are people that are looking for light. Where are they going to find it if they can't find it in us? There are people that are looking for answers that need a solution to what's going on right now. There are people that, are, that may not be caught up in all the chaos that's going on. It's just they're, they're, maybe they're feeling a sense of hopelessness. What that is, is that's darkness. We have an enemy that has a spirit of darkness, the, the darkness that, that is surrounding the earth. He's, he's causing that in so many ways. But here's the deal. Maybe you're feeling that I just want to tell you that, that we are called to be a light to people that are looking for the light because people that sit in darkness are looking for light because a light is the answer a light illuminates the way and Jesus said we are the light of the world so shine for others I want to close with this the world has problems the world has questions but Jesus is the answer 
And I know that we've said that for years, but that comes from John 14 and 6 when he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. When he said that, he said, I am the answer. I am the solution to man's sin problem. And when he left, when he left this earth, in his absence, he left us to be that solution. I want you to think about that. When Jesus walked on the earth in his body, he was his own body, okay? He was the body of Christ. But when he leaves, he says, you are now my body on earth. I am the light of the Now you are the light of the world. He has called us to be that. In other words, we are the solution. We have the answers. In a world that has problems, Jesus says, you are to this world what I was to this world. He says, in a world that needs a solution, in a world that needs answers, you are salt and you are light. And I believe this is what this looks like. For, for We are light for darkness. We are hope for the hopeless. We are justice for the oppressed. We offer help for the suffering. We are rest for the tired. We are a fountain for the thirsty. We give food to the hungry. We are joy for the mourning. We are healing for the hurting and the sick and the broken. We are and we offer the way for the lost. We are salvation to the sinner. We are love to the lonely and we are life to the dying. Listen to me. The world has problems, but we have been called to be the solution, to be salt and to be light. Jesus is the answer, and we are Jesus to the world. We are the body of Christ. And to, not, and to do nothing at this season of the world, when the world needs answers more than anything, for us to step back and do nothing is unacceptable. It's time for us to stand and be the church that he has called us to be. So, Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, today for speaking to us and challenging us and confronting us by your word. And I pray, Lord, that you will speak to every person that is listening today. Lord, convict us by your Holy Spirit in ways that need it. Strengthen us by your Holy Spirit where we need to be strengthened. Point us in a direction where we need to go. Give us wisdom and direction, I pray. Lord, whatever we need from you today, strengthen and build our lives and remind us that we are a solution. We have been given the answer because Jesus is the answer. And may we walk in that light. In the name of Jesus, if you receive that, say amen. Let me pray one more prayer. If you're listening to me and you don't know Jesus and he's not Lord and Savior of your life, I, I just want to lead you in a prayer where you can come home. And maybe you say, Travis, I've never given my life to Christ. Maybe that's your story. Or maybe you can say, Travis, I've, I've gotten away from God. And, I, and I, I once lived with him, or I once lived for him, but I don't live for him anymore. I want to get back. Listen, you might have left him, but he never left you. And you can surrender your life. You can rededicate your life. That's okay. Just pray this prayer with me. Dear Heavenly Father, as I am before you today, I surrender my life. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Wash me clean and whole by your grace and your mercy. I believe in you, Jesus, that you died for me and rose from the dead. And from this moment forward, my life is committed to you.
In the name of Jesus, amen. God bless you today. We love you and we're praying for you.